Well, Dr. Harry Ironside tells of a time that he was at a Christian conference center and they served a wonderful breakfast of biscuits and gravy. And he enjoyed the biscuits so much, he said, I'd love to talk to the cook and uh, just express my thanks. And so he went into the kitchen and he said, these biscuits were wonderful. And the lady who was making them said, oh, honey, they're like the body of Christ. And he said, well, they're really good, but why do you say that? And she said, well, just think about what goes into it. She said, uh, the flour by itself, it doesn't taste very good. The shortening, it doesn't taste very good, nor does the baking powder. And she went on and listed the ingredients, and she said, but when I bring them all together and I mix them up, they come out great. And as you think about the body of Christ, the believers who have been brought together were a little bit like these biscuits in the sense that individually, when it comes to our individual spiritual gifts that God has given to us, they're not that great alone. But when they're brought together, they come out and, and make something great and that glorifies God. Today in 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to see uh, what God says about the gifts and how he's given them to us and how they're to be used together. In 1 Peter four ten through 11, we're told, as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're told that we have received a special gift. The Greek word used here is charisma. And it's, it's a word that comes out of the root of charis, which means grace. So what Paul is talking about here is a grace gift, what we term a spiritual gift. I'm sorry, Peter. And what we don't have time to do today is to go into all of the gifts that God has given to us. Depending upon how you categorize them, there are between 16 and 23 spiritual gifts. And if you want to do a, a study of these, you can look in these passages, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter 4, where you'll find these gifts listed. In the passage we're looking at today, Peter groups these gifts together into two broad categories of speaking and service, rather than going through the individual gifts. As he talks about them, he makes sure we understand that every single Christian has a spiritual gift. He says, as each one has received a gift. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 tells us each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Some believers are given multiple gifts, but everyone has at least one. Here in 1 Peter 4.10, we're told that these gifts are given for the purpose of serving one another. When it comes to a spiritual gift, it's a divine enablement that is given by God to believers believers who are Christians, to be used to minister to others in order to build up the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, we're told the Holy Spirit imparts these gifts. It says, but to one in this, the one and same Spirit works in all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills, God has a design. You see, God doesn't sit up in heaven and go, rock, paper, scissors. Okay, I'm going to give the gift of services to these. Or maybe because it's Monday when you became a believer in Christ, you get the gift of mercies. If it's Tuesday, you get teaching. If it's Wednesday, whatever gift, right? No, it says that God has a divine plan. 
And he looks at individuals, and he looks at the individual bodies, local churches, and he imparts the gifts. He brings believers there that have those gifts that will complete his work in that area. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, it's not for our individual edification. It's for the service. It's for building up the body of believers. Verse 18 says, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Your gift is not an accident. You being a part of the church that you are a part of is not an accident. God has brought together those that are needed to fulfill his ministry. As God gives these gifts, he's a master builder. This uh, image is used in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 2.20, as he talks about the church, it says, It is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, you'll hear people today call themselves an apostle. But the office of apostleship is closed because in order to be an apostle... You have to have physically seen the resurrected Lord. You'll remember Paul, as he had his Damascus Road experience, he described himself as an apostle who was untimely born. So for you and I today, we can't be apostles, but we can be disciples. The word disciple means a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're told here that the prophets... Uh, again, you'll hear people today talk about prophets. Some of the cults say that they have active prophets who are still receiving revelation from God. Prophets are those that don't think in the office of prophet in the past was where God would, would use things uh, to be revealed through them, the word of God that we have in our hand, other revelation. But the office of prophets today is not so much one of foretelling, I mean foretelling where we're looking ahead and predicting something, it's more of foretelling. You'll hear people today who say, I have the gift of prophecy, speaking more in terms of having the area of discernment, where they're able to look at you or a situation, and God will give them wisdom related to it. But the the office of prophets in the past uh, was one where God was giving his divine revelation. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consultation. Uh, As I said, today we see this more in the area of discernment. On this foundation, what we're told is that God has added the pillars of the building. It says in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And the reason that these were given is to begin to build up the church. You see that it says to equip the saints for the works of service, to build up the body. So again, this image of the church it's, it's, a, not only a, it's a building that is being built up, and we have the foundation of God and his word. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. We talked at Easter what that means to be where the building is lined up and built off of, and then uh, these things have been added to it. Ephesians four eleven through 12 says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the works of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. What we find here is the role of the pastor is not to do the ministry. It's to equip the saints, those who are believers in Christ, to do the ministry. Earlier in 1 Peter 2, 5 through 9, if you go back and read that, it says every Christian is a part of the priesthood. Every member is a minister. All of you who are believers in Jesus Christ are pastors. All of you are ministers of the gospel. We've all been given that office 
That's why God has given every Christian a spiritual gift to be used in ministry. And as we do these things, the church is built up and we're able to fulfill the ministry that God has given to us. Oftentimes what people do is, is they think that a spiritual gift is something, they look for a church where they say, this is about serving us, about serving us. But what God says is, the church is not to serve you, it is a place where we are learn service. It is a place where we are learn, learn how to do ministry, where we are those who are actually uh, doing the service that sometimes people are looking for. As you think about this this uh, image of a building. If your house was simply the foundation and the studs and the roof over it, would you say your house was complete? Or would you want them to come in and insulate the walls and sheetrock the walls? Would you want them to come in and put down carpet or hardwood floor or tile in your home in order to complete it? And so it's the same picture of the building is that God says, I've given you this building called the church, not the building itself, but the building of the body. And he says, each of us here has been given a place in the body. All the gifts are needed. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 23 gives us this image of a physical body. It says, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and these members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. You see, what happens is it says that the the public gifts, those that you see on the platform, like those who were sharing their gift of uh, musical ability leading us in worship, or I, as I'm standing here right now teaching you, those are public gifts but they're no more significant than all the other gifts in the body. Have you ever put together a jigsaw puzzle? If you're like me, you dump out the box, you kind of sort the pieces, you get all the straight edge ones, you find the corner pieces, and you start there and you begin to build a frame around it. Now, all the other pieces that are put in the middle are just as significant because you can have all of the puzzle put together, but if you're missing just one piece, is that puzzle complete? Are you happy with the picture that you've made? And it's the same image of the church. There may be these corner pieces, these foundational pieces, uh, the prophets, the apostles, the pillar gifts, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But God says without every piece of the puzzle being used, the, the body is incomplete. So from the parking lot to the pulpit, everyone has a gift that is used to build up the church. Peter tells us we are to employ our gift in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This word steward has a literal meaning of one who governs a household. It was used of a a manager of a home who oversaw the administration that took the, the belongings of the master and used them for the purpose of the master. And when it comes to our gifts, again, what we've seen all over and over throughout these passages is the gift is not for our own edification, for our own glorification, where we get a spotlight shined on us. The gifts are not to be a place where we come to be served, but they're a place where we come to learn how to serve. 
As you look at the life of a a steward, his life itself was not even his own, but it was to serve the master as he uh, was in that household. And when it comes to us and all we have from our gifts, our resources, and even our very lives, they belong to God. And they are to be used, as verse 11 says, for God's glory. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't get to enjoy our gifts as you've labored hard to earn your resources, as you've uh, built a business, as you've saved and bought a house, as you do different things, God isn't saying that's wrong, that you can't enjoy those things. If you read the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us in there that is our reward in life for the labors that we do under the sun. Those are rewards that God wants us to enjoy. But we always remember that they are not ours, but we are stewards of what God has given to us. So as you think about your life, you can enjoy them. If you have a home, enjoy it, but also use it for hospitality. Your money can be used to support ministry. If you have a gift of uh, musical ability, I play the radio. That's the extent (laughs) of my musical ability. Maybe some of you are in that genre as well. But for those who are able to play an instrument, those who are able to sing, uh, they can share that gift with our body. Now, as you do these uh, places of ministry, it's for the purpose of serving God, not seeking the spotlight. Let me remind you that there is a day where we will stand before the Lord, and he will want to know, how did you use what I entrusted to you, your time, your talents, and your treasures? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Here in 1 Peter 4.7, we're told the end of all things is near. One of the reasons we should be diligently using our gift is because our time is short. There is a day coming where we will go home to be with the Lord. Whether Jesus comes back for the rapture or whether he calls us home, God says that our time is, is short. Now, we're moving closer and closer to that day when our lives will be over. And one of the things God's going to ask is, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? In verse 10, we see it is to serve others. As you read Romans chapter 12, it tells us in verses 6 through 8, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, and he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see, what we find is there are not only different gifts, but they're also given in differing levels. As you think about the gift of evangelism, all of us have heard of Billy Graham. He is an evangelist. He is one who is gifted in that area. There are others who are evangelists. They may not have the same level of gifting or God has not entrusted to them the same level of ministry. On judgment day, God is not going to look at everybody and say, why, didn't you, uh, why weren't you used to bring as many people into the kingdom as Billy Graham? Because what God is going to do is say, I gave differing levels of gifting. You may have the same gift, but I gave you a different level of stewardship. And so he will ask us, what did we do with what he entrusted to me and to you, not comparison to everybody else? Now, while God does not give the gift of evangelism to everybody, God still has called all of us to be evangelists. 
You may not be gifted as an evangelist, but he's called on all of us to be those who share our faith. In the Great Commission, he told us, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. For all of us, it was a, it was a blanket command given to all who are believers. Now, as we look at this passage in Romans, uh, it mentions the gift of giving. This is an area that, that my kids humble me. I continue to watch my kids and their heart for giving. Just a few weeks ago, there was an opportunity to give. And we were sitting down and we were talking about some missionaries and uh, this opportunity they had to give. And we, as we talked through it, uh, they went and got their piggy banks, my two youngest, Hannah and Zachary. And they got their piggy banks and they dumped it all out. And they counted out all their money. And, you know, they had about $30 each in their piggy banks that they had been saving up from their allowance and different things. And as they, they looked at their money, uh, Hannah reached in and she took two $5 bills. And she said, I want to give this, about a third of what she had in her piggy bank. And Zachary did the same thing. He pulls out a $10 bill he had. And he said, I want to give this. And I said, you know, okay, let's talk through this again. This is how much you have, and this is what this is. And, you know, Vacation Bible School, as you just heard, John's coming up, and they're going to want to give to missions there as well. And, and I said, you know, do you really want to give that much to this need? And they both, with big smiles on their face, they said, Daddy, we've been saving this up for something, but, you know, with this money, kids are going to hear about Jesus, and they're going to get fed, and that's much more important than what we were saving for. And I said, that's wonderful. And so I went downstairs and my wife and I were talking about it. Well, the next morning came and they came bouncing down the stairs, just giddy, you know, and they got in the car and they went. Well, when they got in the car after we were leaving, they came in and they just had huge smiles on their face again. And they were laughing and giggling at each other. And I said, I said, what's going on? And they said, Daddy, we gave it all. And I said, yeah, I know you did. That's great. And they said, no, after you and Mommy left the room, we put all our monies in the bag. They, they took all of the, the entirety, we had talked about a third, and they had emptied their piggy banks literally, and that's why they were so giddy, is because they gave it all. That's giving with liberality. Now, maybe you're sitting here saying, Roger, I don't get giddy when, when I give. So I know I don't have the gift of giving, right? It's just like evangelism. It's not something limited to those who have the gift itself, the give. It's something that all of us are called to do. Now, as we do this, maybe this will help illustrate what happens. Some of you have heard of this guy. His name is Michael Jordan. Uh, we might, maybe could use him today in the final game. Um, but Michael Jordan is somebody that all would say was a gifted basketball player. He could still just trash every one of us here, even at his age. But when he was in his prime... Uh, he was wonderful to watch. He was a gifted basketball player. Now, that's not a spiritual gift, believe it or not, but it is an athletic gift that God has given to some. Now, Michael Jordan also, because he was such a gifted athlete, tried to play baseball. And some of you remember Michael's basketball career, I mean baseball career. It wasn't as illustrious. Here's a Sports Illustrated telling Jordan to bag it because he's an embarrassment to the game of basketball. He was a baseball. <laughs> Think I've got spurs in my mind today? So he is a guy who was a gifted athlete. Well, his primary gifting was basketball. 
And it was wonderful to watch, and there was great joy in the way he executed. Now, as a gifted athlete, he was still able to rise to the level of a major league baseball player, and yet he was not as effective. He didn't have the same kind of impact. And so it is with our spiritual gifts. Those who are operating in their sweet spot, in their primary area of gifting, they will have a much higher level of impact. They will have a much higher level of joy. But you can still uh, exercise those other gifts Uh, that you may not be primarily gifted in. Now, as I mentioned this gift, uh, when when I talk about this gift of giving, let me just remind you, we're talking about spiritual gifts. That's something for believers. So if you're sitting here today and you're somebody who says, not only do I not have the gift of giving, but I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about. Friends, this is a family matter. Remember, we're talking about believers exercising their gifting. When we give, it is not to meet a budget. It is a form of worship. When we give, it is a way to acknowledge that God is worthy of receiving the honor of our gifts that we're giving. It is a way that we're acknowledging we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us, that we serve him as our master. So if you're somebody who is not a believer, instead of giving, I'm going to ask you to receive to receive God's free gift of eternal life, to receive his son who went to the cross to pay the penalty of death for your sins and mine. If you are not a Christian, you do not need to be giving to God's work. You need to receive God's free gift of eternal life. For those of us who are believers who have received that gift, it is in our privilege to be a part of it. It is our form of our worship to give to God. Now, as you think about the, the areas of gifting, there, there are those that something outside of our primary gifting, as I talked about, is, is not the best use of that. What we're told here is that Peter says the gifts of God are manifold. This word means many faceted or rich in variety. It means that there are different gifts bestowed in different ways. Romans twelve four through 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. These individual gifts are given to complete the body so that we can perform our ministry and glorify God. So as you look at your own life, ask yourself, what are you doing to fulfill God's call on your individual life? Every member is a minister. Every member has been given a a spiritual gift. Ask yourself, what are you doing with God's gift to serve him and his purposes? 1 Peter 4.11 says, Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All the gifts are necessary. Not just those of pastor and teacher, As verse 12 says, there are Christians I talk to who say, you know, Roger, I don't have one of those public gifts, so they are of little value. And that's why I don't even bother. Do you remember 1 Corinthians 12? It said every part of the body is necessary. You can think of your nose. It's more prominent than anything. And it has a function. And yet if your heart that nobody sees stops working or another internal organ, you know the entire body suddenly suffers. 
I've broken a big toe before, and you know the whole body shuts down because that thing is painful. And if any part of the body is not functioning, the whole body suffers. All the gifts are necessary. The public prominence of one gift over another doesn't determine its value. It simply is whether or not you are using the gift that God has given to you. Now, you may be sitting here saying, Roger, I'm hearing all this and I want to use my gift, but I don't know what my gift is. How do I figure out what my spiritual gift is? There are a couple of ways you can do it. One of those is to go to our website, go to waysidechapel.org, and you will find an online assessment tool that you can do in your house. It's called your unique gifts and talents. You'll find as you go to the website, just type in gifts, and it'll plug you into that, and you can take this, and it will point you in a direction that shows you uh, what your areas of gifting may be. Another thing you can do is go back to these passages that I talked about earlier, Romans 12, 3 through 8, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16, 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11. And these slides are on our website, so you can just go there under the sermon section and, and look these up if you're not writing them down or trying to remember them. And, and read through the gifts there and ask yourself, which of those maybe sound like you? I used this illustration of a puzzle earlier. So you can remember this acronym, SHAPE. And you can ask yourself, what is my unique shape? How has God made me? And where do I fit into the overall picture? S stands for your spiritual gift or gifts. And this is what we've talked about today, this this enablement that God has given to us. And as you read through that list, look at those and say, which one sounds like me? What are things that are of interest to me? H is your heart. This is uh, your, your heart. What is it you're passionate about? Ask yourself, what do you like to do? Some of you love children. So serving in the children's ministry is a natural place. Others of you enjoy organizing activities. You may have the gift of administration, and that's something you can serve in various places in a church like Wayside. Look at what you're naturally drawn to and what do you enjoy. A are your abilities. What, what are your skills? What are the things you've cultivated over time? What, what is the, the, the stuff that you do at work that you enjoy doing? So as you look at your abilities, you can say, how can I use what God has trained me in for his glory? P is your personality. You know, if you're somebody who's outgoing and gregarious and loves to meet people, you know, greeters and ushers and those type of things are a wonderful place to serve. So ask yourself, what is your personality? How has God wired you? And then E is your experience. This is uh, both your life and your skill experiences. It's kind of in line with your abilities. What is it you've trained for? Some of it is what is your life experience? Those of you who have been married for a little while, that doesn't have to be 50 years, But those of you who have been married for a while, we have three young marriage classes in our church, adult Bible fellowships. And there are couples that are coming in, and you as a husband and wife team could go in and be a mentor couple and just serving in there and being available to to love on these younger couples, to pray with them, to, to offer advice. You know, I can't tell you how many times a newly married couple comes to me and they say, our marriage is over. And I go, what happened? We had a fight. Well, what? okay, I have lots of fights in my marriage. In 26 years, we've got a lot. 
Every now and then we have what I call a Big Mac. That's a marital adjustment conference. We have a Big Mac, you know? Those are the ones you have to say. Maybe, you know, we have to have a, a little more work here. But you're able just to come alongside these couples and to encourage them and say, oh, honey, there's going to be lots of those. And this is what you do. You don't, you don't hold it against them. You forgive it. You move forward. These are the things. What was the fight about? How, you're, those are things that come naturally to you because of your experience. And you're able to come alongside and help these, uh, these younger couples. That's just one of many ways. Um, maybe you're a former military. And you're saying, what can I do with that experience? I, I know a friend from seminary. His name was Hank Droofs. And Hank was a retired Army general. He went through Dallas Theological Seminary after he completed his military career. And he was a guy that was experienced in, in large-scale logistical operations and moving machinery and men and all kinds of things. And he went to work for Samaritan's Purse as their vice president of operations in charge of mobilizing in times of disaster and things. He was a guy who was able to take his experience in in large-scale logistical operations and mobilizing quickly men and machinery, and he's using it for God's service in this worldwide ministry. You know, God has made each of us like the unique pieces of a puzzle. And what you need to do is figure out where do you fit, what is your shape, and where do you belong? And sometimes what people are afraid of doing is trying to find where they fit because they think if you go and and you tell somebody you're you're here to to try out to serve that they're going to say sign in blood and it's a lifetime commitment. And you go, what if I don't like it? Friends, we have what we call first serve opportunities at Wayside. And what that means is you can come in and say, I think I might be interested And you shadow a person in that area of ministry, and you get to see, is this something that I enjoy? Is this something that I'm gifted in? Do I like what this job really entails? And so try it. If it's something you don't really feel a fit for, let the person know, thanks for the opportunity, but I'm going to try something else. But what you need to do is look at what your spiritual gift is and how can it be used. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Romans 11.29 says, The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Once God gives you a gift, it is yours for life. And God expects you to use your life in service for him. It's a lot like a muscle. If you don't use it, it can shrink up, it can atrophy. But as you begin to use your gift, it will grow, it will be strengthened and it will help grow the body here at Wayside and beyond. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 tells us, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that's Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. There was a famous conductor by the name of Sir Michael Costa. And he was conducting a a rehearsal one time, the final dress rehearsal. And it was a full symphony and there was a large choir. And as everybody was going through this rehearsal, the, the instruments were playing, the trumpets were blaring, the drums were rolling, the violins were singing their rich melody, the choir was hitting a high note. And the piccolo player who was on stage was muttering to himself, he said, what... What good am I doing? I might as well quit playing because nobody can hear me anyway. 
And so when he was reading his music and it was coming to his part, he raised his instrument to his lips, but he didn't blow. And within moments, the conductor said, stop, stop. He said, where's the piccolo? I can tell you that probably a preponderance of the people on the platform didn't notice that the piccolo was missing. But the most important one did, the conductor. And if you're sitting here this morning saying, what does my little piece of the puzzle really matter in a church like Wayside? As large as this place is, as many people as there are, does it really matter if I'm missing in action, that if I'm not exercising my area of gifting? You may have people around you who don't notice But the most important person does notice, the conductor, Jesus Christ. Because he gave you a gift, he placed you in the body, and he has a a place and a purpose for you. And when you are not exercising that gift, God notices. So I encourage you to look at your life, to look at your shape, and to ask yourself, where do you fit today? Where has God placed you? What is your unique shape, and how are you using it? As we talk about our shape, as we talk about the body of Christ called Wayside Chapel, this is something that goes beyond the doors of Wayside to the entirety of the body of Christ, the Big C, Capital Church. And today I'm going to invite Don and Kim Yates to come up here. Some of you know uh, this family from when they first came about five years ago to join us. Don, Don has been our pastor of men's ministry and adult education, ABS, small groups. Come on over here, Don. I'm going to give you a microphone. And uh, as we've talked about the gifts of God, Don is one who is a pastor teacher. Don is one who has been gifted in that role And uh, Don is going to be leaving our church to be senior pastor of Emmanuel Bible Church in a suburb of Chicago. And so, uh, yeah, you can clap for them. So as you look at that picture, they're different than when they came. Their kids are actually all grown up. And, you know, we as a church are different than when they came. Because Don and Kim and their family have been used to help grow us up, to help develop us as a church. And uh, before you talk, I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to leave the platform and let you share a few words, and then as your final act as a a minister on our team to uh, lead our body in communion. So I'm very thankful for both Kim and Don. Kim and I actually knew each other way back in the days of college at the University of Texas. She was Kim Thomas back then and knew my wife. Yeah. No hissing Aggies. It's her last Sunday. And so... Uh, best behavior today. But anyway, they, uh, they are a quality couple. We've been blessed by both of you. We're very thankful for your life and ministry and God's calling and gifting on both of your lives. And so I just want to pray for you, and then I'll turn it over to you. Lord God, we thank you for Don and Kim Yates. We thank you, Father, for their family. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you've gifted them, the way that you've used them, to be an iron-sharpening, iron impact in the lives of many in our church and our body. We thank you, Father, for the, the role that you've given, the mantle that you are placing back on this family, not only on Dawn but on Kim as she steps into the role of the senior pastor's wife. Once again, she will have to carry many things along with her husband. Father, there are things that the pastor of a church carries that nobody knows. There are burdens. There are confidences. There are things that are needed uh, for Don and Kim in a special measure. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, 
who has called and gifted and equipped them, that you would give them a double measure of your grace and your wisdom. Would you go before them? Would you give them favor with this new body that they will shepherd and lead? And, Father, would you just uh, superintend all the details of the transition for their move, for their kids getting connected to their new schools and friends? Uh, We pray, Father, that Don would just have a, a long honeymoon with that new church, that you would again give him great wisdom as he preaches and leads. So we commit them to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. God bless you, brother. Well, it's, it's hard to look at that picture without thinking about change. Um, and obviously some of that is external. Um, but uh, what you don't get to see is the internal. Um, the things that you guys have had such an important part in our lives. I just thank you for that. It's been a great place to minister It's been a great place to be equipped. It's been a great place to be healed. And uh, we are very thankful for each and every one of you for our time here together. It's been great. Um, As we start thinking uh, about what's ahead in this church that we're excited to, uh, to go to, we will definitely take you in our hearts with us as we go and the impact that you've had on our lives. And I think it's really uh, appropriate today that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we talk about, a little bit about change and internal change, uh, because that is exactly why Jesus came, uh, to bring deep, lasting, eternal change into our lives, not just in terms of, of saving us from the penalty of sin, so that we will spend eternity with him in heaven, but also delivering us from the power of sin so that we can live radically different lives for his glory. And the spiritual gift that each one of us have been given is just part of that change that Christ and the Holy Spirit brings within us. But it all goes back to the cross. And so right now, as as the ushers come forward, I would just encourage all of you to just bow your heads for a moment and uh, reflect on Christ, reflect on the change that he's brought into your life and he continues to bring into your life in the way of sanctification. And just thank him for that.
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup together. Now, would you please all stand? Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we are thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross for our sins, Lord, again, to deliver us from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin, that there could be radical change occurring in our hearts, and that that change would radiate through our hearts and touch other lives for your glory, Lord God. May we live as people who are forgiven, and may we live and walk in your power and in your might and in your strength for your glory, and do this always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.